Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from Winged Destinies, written by Philip McCormack. An Epic Battle Against the Angels of Darkness Marley Fox, orphan, foundling, and poacher, is born towards the end of the 19th century at a time when humans are under attack from the dark angels who harvest souls for their own nefarious aims. The youngster's only family is Black Annie, a recluse who has occult powers. The angels of light are attempting to protect humans, and Marley is to play a part in the fight against those who would destroy their world. While out poaching, Marley is shot and badly injured. During his fight for survival, Marley has to battle a vicious ice angel. He is thrown in prison where he is befriended by a huge Irishman, James Finnegan. An attempt is made to kill Marley. Finnegan and Marley escape and go on the run through England. Eventually they take refuge in Ireland. They are still not safe and they are attacked by the dark forces. It is one crisis after another as Marley and James battle to survive. The future fortunes of the world hinge on the ability of Marley and James to survive against the forces of the Angels of Darkness. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from Winged Destinies. Desires and Adorations Winged Persuasions and Veiled Destinies Splendors and glooms and glimmering incarnations Of hopes and fears and twilight fantasies And sorrow with her family of sighs And pleasure blind with tears Led by the gleam of her own dying smile And instead of eyes came in slow pomp Adonais by Percy Bysshe Shelley Chapter 1 The keepers were near very near. Marley could almost smell them. Only for the alertness of Bone, his lurcher hound, he would have blundered into the trap. He lay beneath the briar, feeling the painful prick of the thorns. The youngster tested the wind against his face, feeling the sweat ooze from his paws now that he was in danger. His worst fear for the moment was that the gamekeeper's dogs would get his scent. If that happened... He was in for a severe drubbing. Nicholas Jeffers, head gamekeeper to Lord Brownlow, was notorious for his rough treatment of poachers. It was known he carried a brutal truncheon, a blackthorn handle about 18 inches long, from which an ebony knob about the size of a baby's fist was suspended on a short chain. Using this fearsome weapon, Jeffers had in the past beaten men insensible, and in a number of cases the victims were so severely injured they never recovered. Marley knew, if Jeffers caught him, he could expect no mercy. For too long, Marley had thumbed his nose at the Charnwood Forest gamekeepers. Jeffers had sworn to catch the youngster and stop him once and for all from poaching on Lord Brownlow's estates. If that meant crippling the poacher to achieve that end, the gamekeeper was willing to do just that. Jeffers had partridge-rearing pens inside the forest boundary used for nurturing the birds. When the chicks were fully grown, Lord Brownlow would invite his friends for a week of entertainment. There would be dinners at the big house and daily shoots. 
Dozens of birds would be slaughtered as titled men and women shot the prey driven into their guns. It would be a week of feasting and drinking and indulgent killing. Now, Marley was caught red-handed. He was out in the night with his nets and his dog, the tools of his poaching profession, which would surely condemn him. Marley had a request from a gamekeeper in the neighbouring county of Nottinghamshire to supply any amount of game birds for his own shoots. The business was too good to turn down, and Marley was now paying for his eagerness to make some easily earned money. Slowly, moving as silently as possible, Marley slid the strap of his satchel from his shoulder. The bag contained his nets and pegs. If he was caught with the equipment, it would mean not only the vicious beating from Jeffers, but also a visit to the magistrate's court. He had to ditch the evidence. If they found him with the bag, the beating would only be the beginning of his punishment. A spell in prison would be on the cards also. Marley couldn't bear the thought of being confined for any length of time away from his beloved woods and fields. And who would look after his dogs? Marley pushed the bag deeper into the bush, which was proving difficult as it snagged on the thorns. Wary of making a noise, the poacher kept at his task until the bag was wedged under the bush and out of sight of a casual observer. Now Marley had only to ease out from his hiding place and disappear into the night. If apprehended, he had nothing incriminating in his possession. He would surely get a beating, but might escape a visit to the court. Bone had settled beside him. Marley reached out and touched the dog. It was the signal they were ready to move. The dog stiffened, and Marley tensed also knowing Bone had sent something. Sure enough, he heard footsteps approaching. Mason, a voice called out. It's Jeffers, I'm coming in. Jeffers was being cautious. A man coming unexpectedly up to gamekeepers on night watch might get his head bashed in, or even a barrel of birdshot in his brisket. Okay, Mr. Jeffers, it's been a quiet night. Marley was in imminent danger of being discovered as the head gamekeeper came on. A snap of his fingers and bone took off, the furtive movement alerting Jeffers skilled in reading noises and movement in the woods. What's that? Who's there? There came the click of a gun being cocked. Marley moved, hurling himself at the keeper, knocking the man sideways. Even so, Jeffers shouted a warning. Halt, or I fire! Then, Marley was passed and running like the devil was after him, congratulating himself on escaping the trap that had been laid for him. The shot was extremely loud in the stillness of the night. Marley felt something punch him in the back, and then he was tumbling over and over, feeling as if a giant hand had hit him. Ah! Damn! Gasping for breath, he staggered to his feet and stumbled on, feeling the agony in his back and something wet leaking down inside his shirt. Behind him, he could hear Jeffers shouting, To me! Intruder! This way! Had to keep going. Legs pumping, driving forward, numbing pain, almost paralysing. He had no illusions. He knew he had been badly hurt. But he was still able to move. Damn! The crashing of bodies was heard in the woods. There was no need for stealth now that they had a wounded quarry to pursue. Then, the dogs started barking. Marley blundered on, also making no attempt at concealment. The hunt was up and in full cry. He had to keep going and get as far away as possible. Over here! Spread out, I'm sure I hit him! He forced his legs to move, one foot forward followed by the other. The shouts behind and the dogs barking. That was the danger. Marley knew from the tomber of the barking what was coming after him. Bull mastiffs, 
Big dogs capable of bringing down a man and holding him until the keepers arrived on the scene. He could hear them getting nearer. Marley ran on, staggering as he went. He would be leaving a blood trail for the dogs to follow. Reluctantly, he drew his skinning knife. It was against his nature to harm a dog. After all, he depended on his own animals to help him poach the game from the estates that were his raiding grounds. A high-quality dog was worth good money in the hunting world. But he knew he was in desperate straits. It was a matter of survival. Something cannoned into the back of his legs. He stumbled and went down. He could feel the hot breath of the mastiff on the back of his head as it straddled him. Marley drove back with the knife, a deadly sliver of steel honed to razor sharpness, not quite knowing where he was striking, but aiming for the neck and head. The knife met resistance and he soared at the obstruction. Hot blood spurted onto the back of his head accompanied by a choking, whining noise from the dog. Marley put his hands underneath and pushed upwards, hearing the dog mewling and choking on blood. Pausing only to swipe the mastiff once across its throat to put it out of its suffering, Marley set off running again. He had no idea where he was going. Only an instinct for survival kept him moving, the stinging agony in his back almost unbearable, his lungs burning as he laboured to keep going. A sudden howling was heard behind him as the other dogs found the dead mastiff. Angry shouts followed as the keepers caught up with the dogs. He moved forward only by sheer willpower. He felt badly about the mastiff's death. It was him or me, he muttered in an attempt to ease his conscience. He stumbled on, suddenly losing his footing and pitching into water. The charm, a rivulet running through the wood. Marley clambered to his feet, water cascading off his clothes. He turned right and kept going, trudging along in the water, forcing one foot in front of the other, the pain in his back spreading through his body. He made no attempt at keeping quiet as he splashed through the stream, the noise of barking dogs and shouting men effectively cloaking any noise he was making. It was an endless journey of numbing pain and tumbling into the water and struggling to his feet again and going on. He was becoming delirious. Someone was calling his name. Marley, do not give up. He trudged through the water, head down, lifting waterlogged boots that were becoming heavier and heavier. He staggered forward, his mouth open wide as he sucked air into his lungs. Gotta lie down. Need sleep. At some stage, he must have left the stream, for he found he was on dry land, trudging uphill. It was only willpower that drove him forward. There was just him and the agony in his body and the need to keep moving. He had no idea where he was or where he was going. Uphill. So hard to lift his boot. Put it down on the ground. Lift the other. Somehow his feet had been replaced by boulders. He must have picked them up in the stream. Keep going, Marley. Help is on hand. A small shape appeared in front of him, panting, tongue dangling, tail wagging. Bone. He was on his knees, not knowing how he had gotten there struggling to get up his strength draining away. Sleep. Must sleep. Rest a moment. Lying on his face, smelling the earth, rich and pungent in his nostrils. Good dog. Give the dog a bone. Bone licking his face, whining. Black Annie, they called her. It was because of the black clothes she always wore. Black Annie bothered no one living the lonely life of a hermit in her cave up on Balden Hill. Folk alleged she was a witch, and when she appeared among them, they made the thumb and finger sign against the evil eye. Some of the more devout crossed themselves in the manner of Christians. 
The only friend Black Annie had in her lonely life was the young poacher, Marley Fox. It was a strange relationship, but of a mutual benefit to the pair of outcasts. Marley supplied the recluse with fruits of his poaching, and in return, Black Annie imparted knowledge to the youngster. She also used her extensive powers of healing on the youngster when he injured himself in the course of his trade. When the need arose, his dogs were also treated. Tonight she was sitting by her fire, seeing things in the flames and embers that no one else would have recognised. There was always a fire inside the cave for warmth and companionship. After all, there was nearby Charnwood Forest to harvest an endless supply of fuel. The interior of the cave was hazy with smoke for ventilation was not good, but this did not bother the recluse. The soot darkened her appearance, giving her the name Black Annie. An owl hooted nearby and immediately the semblance of the same bird materialised within the red and gold of the glowing embers. As the witch watched, the bird fluttered wildly as if in distress. Another bird appeared in the flames. An eagle with a wide wingspan swooped down on the smaller bird. With a flurry of movement, the owl swerved and the eagle had to be content with the spray of feathers torn from its prey. They began an aerial battle as the eagle swooped after the owl, which was just able to keep ahead of those fearsome talons. The coal shifted and the vision disappeared in a flurry of sparks and tiny flames which appeared feather-like in their shape. What does it mean? Who is the owl and what is the eagle? Lately there had been other fiery visions showing animals or birds in mortal combat. A lion chasing a wolf, a fox pouncing on a stoat. It was perplexing, and Black Annie spent many of her lonely hours pondering the meaning of the visions. There was a light noise by the cave entrance. At one time her friend Marley had fashioned a willow gate, hinged to make it easier to open and shut. Someone or something was scratching at the gate. She knew from the faint noises it was an animal. It was a fact that when animals of locality were in distress, they would come to the cave for help. Black Annie rose from her chair, which had been constructed from a couple of apple boxes and then covered in fabric. I'm coming, never fear. She scraped back the gate and saw the dog. Boom! What is it, little one? The lurcher gazed up at the witch, then twisted its head and looked back over its shoulder. Turning back to her, it crouched down and stared up at her with pleading eyes, all the while whining in the most pathetic manner. Dear God, is it your master? What is it? Is he in trouble? The dog stood upright again, took a few steps back, and gave a couple of short barks. For long moments, the witch stood staring off into the darkness, as if by her powers she could conjure up the night's happenings out in the woods. It has begun. I fear it has begun. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from Winged Destinies. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.